Welcome to the I Lead Podcast, a podcast dedicated to developing you into the leader that can lead in any room. Your host and guide is Dr. G. Vincent Dudley Sr. Dr. Dudley is a leader of leaders. He has his Ph.D. in organizational leadership. He earned his Doctor of Ministry with a focus on entrepreneurship and church planting. He is a John Maxwell Associate Trainer and an Adjunct Professor for Strategic Leadership at North Central University. Dr. Dudley retired from the Air Force as a lieutenant colonel. He has started several businesses, but his greatest achievement is that of founding senior pastor of New Life, one of the fastest-growing churches in the St. Louis metropolitan area. Let's join Dr. Dudley and co-host Jeffrey II for another instructional, inspirational, and informative session. to welcome the 43rd governor of the great state of Illinois, Governor Prisker, to I Lead Podcast. Governor, we are humbled and honored that you would take the time out of your very busy schedule fighting this pandemic to talk about leadership in a crisis. Welcome, Governor. Thank you so much, Bishop Dudley, and it's great to be on with you. Governor, what has been the most unexpected thing about leading a state during a pandemic? Well, I mean, I certainly can tell you that when I ran for governor, when I became governor, I didn't expect that we would deal with a crisis of this magnitude. Uh, this is something that's not happened in any of our lifetimes, really. Um, you know, the Spanish flu which overtook people in 1918. That's the last time that something like this happened where so many people got sick and died. And here we are uh, dealing with it. Uh, it's been, uh, it seems like to most people it's been years that we've been dealing with it, but actually it's been about uh, two, two and a half months. Um, I'm, you know, pleased to say that we were one of the first states, in fact, the second state in the nation uh, to really, uh, you know, deal with it with a stay-at-home order. Uh, to make sure that we were keeping people safe and, uh, you know, and all the other things that we've done, which I know are difficult for people to manage through, but all those things have really kept us from losing tens of thousands of lives. And that's been the most important thing to me, the thing I've focused on every single day. Uh, Governor, given that um, in the faith community, they there are many uh, in the faith community who feel that they are essential personnel and their constitutional rights of freedom and religion and right to assemble has been infringed upon. What do you say to, uh, what do you say to them? Well, I, uh, like everybody else, I want more freedom for all of us. Um, the fact is that this pandemic has caused a terrible uh, disaster, an emergency. You know, there's a national emergency that's been declared uh, for at you know at the at the federal government level. We've declared a disaster at the state level, and uh, you know, just like with a flood, just like with a, a tornado, uh, everything is disrupted. Everything, and so we have to deal with it as best we can. Unfortunately, in a pandemic, when you're talking about a, an infection, a, a disease, a virus. Uh, that can overtake anyone at any time. Uh, you're talking about something that's pervasive. Uh, that, you know, it's in your home. It's in your workplace. It's, in, it's everywhere you go. So, and because we really didn't know how to deal with it at first, not me, not anybody in the country or in the world, 
you know, look at how many people have died uh, worldwide and 90,000, more than 90,000 nationally, you know, more than 4,000 here in Illinois. Um, we really had to ask people to do the right thing. And so people really have done the right thing. And it's not infringement on your right if, uh, if the fact is we're keeping you alive. Um, so, you know, pe- people can still practice their faith, um, but they have to do it uh, in new ways like using podcasts or video services, drive-through services. It's just not safe to have large groups of people gathering together yet. But we're slowly but surely working our way back to a point where people really can get together. Uh, but we've got to do it again in a way that, that makes sure that people don't get sick. So, Governor, when do, when do you project churches large like mine and others in the community that are larger than 50? When do you project that uh, uh, they will be able to have church back in the church building? It's hard to set a date, Bishop. Um, I would like to be able to tell you that, you know, that you could do it today. But the reality is that what we're doing is following the science, um, what the doctors say, uh, the epidemiologists, and what the data tells us. And unfortunately, you've seen all over the country that when people have gotten together in large groups uh, and they're not socially distanced and, you know, maybe not wearing face coverings and what have you, um, we've seen... Uh, the spread of the virus among congregations, you know, among uh, parishioners. And we don't want that in Illinois. What we want is for people to practice their faith, but do it in a safe fashion. So in terms of a date, I I couldn't tell you a date because I'm not the one setting the schedule. It's the virus that's doing it. And it's the epidemiologists that are giving us the best advice they can based upon what they learn every day. Boy, I know your job is uh, extremely difficult, uh, Governor. Um, and uh, knowing that, how, as a leader, are you handling leading those who who do not agree with you or want to, who do not want to follow you? And we're in such a divided atmosphere, not only uh, in the country but in our state. Um, after all. Uh, you, you've been sued about the, some of these very issues. Governor, what is your leadership philosophy in, as to how to lead in those in, in situations like this when people don't want to follow? Well, I appreciate the, you know, the, the as you've laid it out, I'm, you know, the concern. But I will tell you the vast majority of people, the polling data nationally and here in Illinois shows the vast majority, I'm talking about 80 plus percent of people believe that we need this stay-at-home order, that we have to open gradually and be careful. And it's a, really a small minority, less than 20%, who you know, believe that we should just open everything up. Um, having said that, none of the decisions that I've been making are easy. Uh, every decision has consequences either way you choose. Um, people, obviously, this virus has put people out of work because we needed to keep people alive. I've often said that you know, that the, the choices that we make are between saving lives and saving livelihoods. Now I think the path that we need to follow is to make sure that we're saving lives, keeping people as healthy as we can, while also making sure that we're following the science while we reopen and give people the opportunity to get back to work. And I'm optimistic as we move into the next phase of my Restore Illinois reopening plan just a week from now, 
that many more people will be able to get back to work. They'll be wearing face coverings when they do that. They'll be socially distancing. They'll be following new protocols at their work, but they'll be keeping each other safe. And uh, given those things, Governor, um, and the difficulty and and uh, even leading when it's 80-20, uh, what pointers would you give to a leader um, when they are dealing with a 20%? Uh, what would you say to a leader as to how do they overcome that um, with respect to leading? What would their uh, leadership philosophy or what should it be? Well, obviously, the very first and most important thing that you do, Bishop, and that I do is listen. Um, people who have concerns, you know, who are anxious, uh, who want to express themselves, who have strong beliefs about something, uh, even if you may disagree or the science tells you that they're wrong, it's very important to hear them because that, that anxiety is real. Um, so that's number one. I think number two uh, you know, we've got to, as leaders, right, our job isn't just to lead in the direction that the majority of the, you know, the crowd is going. Uh, leadership also requires persuading people and convincing them, showing them uh, the science and the data and talking, frankly, about what the consequences of different decisions really are. And even if people don't want to believe you, if you operate on facts, I think you're making the right decisions. And so that's what I've tried to do all along. I know you do the same with your parishioners. And it, it, I think leadership is really about, you know, standing in front of the crowd and, and helping to show them the way. And you've shown the way in many ways, um, uh, Governor. And one of the um, very self-evident ways that you've shown your leadership skills is your business acumen in leadership. What do you say to the small business leader, the small business owner now who is struggling? Well, as you know, I have been an advocate for small business businesses and business people for my entire career. I, even when I was in the private sector as a business person, I was working with small business people to help them build their businesses up. As governor, I've done a lot to try to reach out, particularly to communities of color and, and entrepreneurs in those communities to build their businesses. I want, you know, I want to, you know, I've said many times, I, we need more black millionaires in this state. And so helping people start businesses and growing them, is something I believe strongly. And now, during this pandemic and during the financial crisis that's resulted from this virus, uh, we need to do even more to help those businesses stay alive during this very difficult time in these few months, but also to help restart them and get them going again. And I want to encourage people that, again, on May 29th, just a week from now, when small businesses and communities open up again, I want to encourage everybody, let's go patronize those small businesses. Let's go buy our goods and services from those small businesses. Let's help them out because if they thrive, more jobs come from it, and that's good for everybody and especially for the community. And, Governor, you have a record of being uh, very um, giving um, uh, of your family and uh, the resources that you have been able to, um, to acquire over the years. What do you say to a um, business person or a person in leadership in terms of adapting or adopting some of those um, principles of being a, a giver and being a person that is 
very charitable in their leadership? Well, I guess when we're talking, if we're talking about people for whom it may not come naturally, right? Um, yes. If they aren't already, if they aren't already engaged, uh, you know, in, in philanthropy or in, in giving of their time and effort of having their business or company uh, helping the community, um, what I would say is uh, to those people, to people who aren't naturally inclined, that, that what's good for your community is good for your business that people who are lifted up in your community are people who are going to respect your business and likely to possibly patronize your business who are going to spend their money with you. And, you know, I mean, that's putting aside the fact that, look, this is what God calls upon us to do, right, to help our fellow man and women, uh, to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to lift each other up, whether you have a lot of resources or no resources. And those, who, those of us who have been blessed with resources probably have a greater duty, I believe that, um, and must do more. And so, I, you know, I would just remind people that if you have, uh, you know, what you need to take care of your family, then you have an obligation uh, in addition uh, to help, you know, the, the people around you and, frankly, our entire society. It is our hope that you have been inspired and informed to be the leader that you want to be. To ensure that you are able to lead in any room, go to iLeadAcademy.net and enroll today. Now, let's return to our broadcast. You know, Governor, you were saying that uh, you would love to see more black millionaires in the state. Um, what uh, in particular are you doing and your administration doing with respect to um, your leadership priorities to ensure something uh, like that happens? Well, you know, unlike in prior administrations, which often have talked about uh, procurement, for example, as, you know, well, let's do more procurement buying from uh, communities, from businesses in communities of color owned by people from those communities. Uh, we not only are doing that, that's a great thing to encourage people to do, but I've done more. I've actually put people of color in charge of the agencies that are doing the procurement from state government because it's very hard, I think, for people who don't come from the communities that we're talking about, from the black community, for example, to really understand why, you know, well, you know, how we're going, we need to procure to buy from those businesses. So, but if somebody comes from the community, they know how hard it is. And so when you're in, they're in charge of those agencies, they can make decisions that are good for the communities they came from. So I'll give you an example. The Department of Transportation has the very first, for the very first time, uh, a black man as its leader. And the Department of Transportation makes enormous purchases, um, spends, I mean, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars uh, on businesses, and, and never before has there been a person of color or a black man in, in charge of, of uh, uh, an agency like that. Here's another example. The uh, Central Management Services, that's the main agency of the state of Illinois that does procurement, uh, is led by a black woman, Janelle Ford, um, so I'm just giving you examples. I really believe that it's more than just setting an example and setting policies. Having people in the positions of power making the decisions can make all the difference. Wow, that uh, it does make a difference. And um, to that end, uh, with respect to the CARE Act's revenue, 
Um, is there someone of color that is a part of the policies and prioritization of that distribution? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, within my administration, my deputy governors uh, are very much involved in that. I have a very diverse set of four uh, deputy governors. Um, we've got uh, uh, Christian Mitchell, who's a former state representative, an African-American man. Um, Sol Flores, uh, a Puerto Rican-American, well, Puerto Rican, uh, who is uh, leader of our Health and Human Services um, and our education leader, Jesse Ruiz, who's uh, Mexican-American, um, uh, are just three examples of the people who are of the four. There's a white man running our, uh, our budget uh, for us, uh, Dan Hines. Um, but, but we have a diverse group of people in our governor's office who are helping to, me to make decisions about what we're going to do with the CARES Act money. Look, the federal government also set rules around how that money can be used. Um, it's all got to be COVID-related. Um, and so, you know, we've been out there tr attempting to do our best to, to, as we deal with the pandemic, um, to also make sure that we're reaching out to uh, uh, businesses that are minority owned. Um, is nonprofits have uh, accessibility to the CARES Act's revenue? Um... Yeah, yes. Um, there are various ways, for example, even the PPP program, uh, which is designed to keep people working uh, during the pandemic when, when you know, revenue has fallen off, um, that PPP program is also available to nonprofit organizations, and you can apply for that money through banks uh, in Illinois. And uh, so I would encourage nonprofits that need that kind of support to do so. And then, of course, uh, there are a lot of things that nonprofits do with the state of Illinois, and we are, have received some of those COVID relief dollars to spend as well to make sure that we can provide uh, protections for uh, families that are hurting during this pandemic. Well, Governor, I, I know we our time is limited. I only have a couple more questions to ask, and one of those is, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, given the scarcity of state funds, uh, and the possibility that the educational services may be virtual this fall, may or may not be. Um, how will the digital divide be mitigated for those who don't have as much accessibility, wideband in particular, rural and in the inner cities? That is a great question. And I, I have, you know, there's a, a funny saying that, you know, a great question is one for which there is a great answer. Um, and, uh, and I want you to know that uh, from before this pandemic, uh, I, in the Capitol bill, I uh, allocated $420 million for build out of high speed broadband everywhere in the state. Because as you know, there are lots of communities in Metro East and elsewhere uh, that just don't have connectivity at a reasonable speed. So right. it needs to be every, everywhere. We need it everywhere because it's like, it's like electricity now, right? You need connectivity to the Internet like you need electricity. So yes, you do. we're doing that. We've, we've been in the process of doing that since we passed the Capitol bill last year. Um, and so you'll start to see some upgrades and, and, and installations going on all over the state and in Metro East. Um, but in addition to that, during this crisis and 
uh, during the summer as we lead into the fall. Uh, we are I, the money that was given to the governor uh, from the CARES Act uh, to put into uh, crisis management. We've put uh, nearly all of those dollars into uh, building up our online resources and our ability to deliver devices to families, to kids who don't have a, a device that can connect to the Internet. Um, so we're doing as much as we can in school districts uh, to make sure there is connectivity. Now, I want to disabuse you of one thing. I mean, it is possible that in the fall we will all be leaning on e-learning if there is a surge of cases. Um, then we're, and if we're still concerned about children getting together in school. But I am determined and hopeful that in the fall that we will get our kids back to school. I think all of right. us want that. I have, I have two I have two teenagers myself who are in high school. Um, I want them to be back in school. I can see the difference between online uh, learning and, and in-person learning. It's, it's hard to do online learning. Um, having said that, uh, you know, we're gonna, we have to watch the metrics carefully, Bishop, and make sure that uh, we're keeping everybody safe. I mean, the most important thing here is we want our children to be healthy. And so that's the thing that I'm watching and, and, and making sure that we're going to do. I would ask one last thing. I know we're at the end of our time. Uh, we need all of us to put our prayers to the researchers and the doctors who are doing the work to determine, you know, can we get a vaccine or can we get a very effective treatment so that if you get COVID-19, if you get tested and find out you have COVID-19, Perhaps you could just take a pill or a series of pills over the course of, a, uh, you know, a couple of weeks and, and really never need to go in the hospital and just get better on your own like you do, you know, these days with, with the flu. And so what we need to do is pray for the work that they're doing, that it happens fast and effectively. Um, so I hope that people will think about that on Sunday when they're praying, um, you know, with their pastor, perhaps online these days or in person uh, but also uh, just every day in your prayers. Well, uh, uh, Governor, you can be assured that the over 2,000 life changers, as we call ourselves, and the United Congregations of the Metro East, which is we are connected with in a Gamaliel uh, Fellowship, uh, we will certainly be praying for the health and welfare of our state and uh, the wisdom uh, for the researchers to come up with a solution. Uh, Governor, every guest on Idly Podcast has to answer this question, and you have to answer it as well before you go. Uh, before I ask you this question, um, is there a point of contact for the Digital Divide uh, piece that you were sharing, that capital bill that uh, we could connect with uh, with respect to those dollars? Yes. After the podcast, I'm happy to give you the name and phone number uh, of uh, someone in my administration that you can reach out to. Thank you. Here's the question, Governor. Everybody has to answer this question. Um, all I lead guests have to answer, how do you lead in any room you find yourself in? Hmm. Well, I, I'll say that I, I guess I have enough humility to, to, you know, to walk into a room and not feel like I need to uh, lead. But uh, having said that, I 
where I need to lead, where I need to step forward. Um, I, I think I, I start with listening and I try to start with empathy. Um, I think those, that, you know, having the loudest voice uh, or, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, forcefully pushing people to, uh, you know, into, uh, you know, following my lead is I find less effective than offering my ear and offering my understanding. And, um, and I usually take the, the listening that what I hear and what I come to understand from people um, and, you know, the kind of as something that feeds into the solutions that I try to offer to the problems that we face. And uh, rather than just think all the time that I have the right answers and everybody should follow me and listen to me, you know, I think I have good ideas, and I also think I'm somebody who reasons through other people's good ideas uh, to make sure that we can come to a the best possible solution. And again, that doesn't always need to come from me. Well, thank you, Governor Prisker, for spending this time out of your very ext- uh, very busy schedule. Uh, with Ali Podcast, we will continue. We're committed to praying for your leadership and the wellness of our state and our country. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you, Bishop. Thanks for having me on. After listening to today's podcast, I'm sure you're ready to be a leader in any room. To learn more about how to become the leader you are called to be, enroll today in iLeadAcademy.net. Until next time, remember, with iLead, you can be the leader in any room.